Hello, and welcome to the Philly Soccer Pod. I'm your host, Will McQuillan. With me today, as always, are Joe and Matthew. Today, we'll recap the Union's disappointing loss to DC United, discuss whether or not Jim Curtin should be fired, and preview their upcoming game against the Portland Timbers. We'll also get into Matthew's MLS fantasy do's and don'ts and what games you should watch this weekend. Let's go. The Union played to a sluggish 2-1 loss this Saturday in D.C., and they showed very little life in the game. Uh, Joe, why don't you go ahead and describe the game quickly? Well, sluggish is a good word to, that captures the, the entire game for the Union. Uh, after the first two minutes where the Union really came out of the gate controlling the ball, they showed zero offensive creativity and zero team speed. In addition, uh, mistakes by one mistake by Andre Blake on a poor clearance that Fabinho headed back into danger, which ended up in a goal, and a handball by Richie Marquez in the box, put the team down 2 nothing. I know we're going to talk about Jim Curtin a little bit later, but his substitutions were frustrating and brought nothing to the team. At the same time, D.C. United, they had not scored for the entire season, and they looked like an offensive juggernaut against us, so it was, it was frustrating. All right, Matthew, why don't you go ahead and describe that first goal? Uh, well, the Union seemed to be trying this new thing where Keegan Rosenberry, instead of throwing the ball down the line, makes a really long throw into the middle, and the Union tried to switch the field that way, but uh, it was kind of botched, and it got back to Andre Blake, and Blake took a swing at it, mishit it, and went out to Fabinho, who tried to head it and keep it in, which turned out to be ill-advised because he headed it into no man's land, and Lloyd Sam picked the ball up with a lot of space in front of him, turned on the Jets, passed it into Jose Ortiz. Ortiz took a shot that deflected off Richie Marquez and into the net. Um, Joe, there's been some debate about whether or not uh, Fabinho should have tried to save that ball or just let it out for a throw. Uh, what do you think? I, I don't blame Fabinho. In, in hindsight, it's, it's easy to say, oh, he should let it go out and that would have uh, eliminated the threat. But Fabinho, as you know, he, he gives his all on every play. He was trying to save that ball and make something happen. It was a split-second decision. I, I don't place any blame on Fabinho for that. Right, the second goal was a penalty kick uh, that the Union conceded in the 27th minute, um, and things went from bad to worse as Luciano Acosta finished it. But it seemed to me like it wasn't really a handball. Um, the ball did sort of hit Richie Marquez's torso, shoulder, upper arm area, um, and he was standing in the box, but it didn't seem like a penalty, did it? It looked to me like the arm was in a natural position, and it didn't really hit his hand. It was more, like you said, his torso. Um, but either way, uh, you know, you got to keep playing. And the Union were down 2 nothing at halftime. Showed a little bit more life in the second half. A couple chances were created. Um, Alejandro Bedoya fires a shot from long range that Bill Hamid parries. And TJ Spong cleans up to put in the back of the net. But ultimately, it just wasn't enough from the Union. And that's CJ Sapong who came on for Jay Simpson, right? Jay Simpson started. He's up there as a one-man offensive island. And I guess C.J. Sapong came in with more energy and more creativity, um, but Simpson did not have a, a remarkable game at all. Uh, I think Sapong's success was due to two main factors. First of all, his stature. He's a lot bigger than Jay Simpson, a lot more, well, Sapong's a lot better equipped to handle MLS center backs. Jay Simpson looked kind of outmatched out there sometimes. And also, Sapong had a little bit more support by the time Sapong came in. The Union were in desperation mode. Chris Pontius was pushed up. Bedoya was wide. 
and uh, Pontius was able to alleviate some of the load from Sapong. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it was as complicated as that. It might have just been that they really weren't getting Simpson the ball at all in the first half um, because they would take it from the left side and switch it through Harris to the right side or from the right side and switch it through Harris to the left side um, and take it up into the corner and then switch it back out to the top of the box and then to the other side and back and forth and never near the goal. Um, And Sapong happened to get a rebound. You know, I don't even know if it was that he's that much more skilled than Simpson or anything to do with that. Oh, I did see one statistic that, uh, that Simpson touched the ball like nine times, and eight of the times he backpassed. He's not turning, he's not attacking, he's not. I'm gonna go with my Roland Alberg uh, rant. That Alberg, if he's getting that ball, he's looking to take it to the the goal, looking for an opportunity. I'm not getting that urgency out of Simpson or even Sapong, frankly. But I don't think that's gonna come from Alberg. I mean, I he just I don't I don't think he's as good as you do. Um... I'd like to see him get on the field and let's see one way or the other. Yeah, I guess. What did DC do that, you know, cut the Union apart? Because they did have a lot of chances, especially in the first half. Um, and watching the highlights, I was really struck, you know, just watching back to, to refresh that uh, they really did have a lot more chances than the Union, it seemed like. Uh, it seemed to me like DC kind of preyed on the Union's fullbacks. Rosenberry and Fabinho didn't have strong games and Lloyd Sam Patrick Nyako smelled blood and really went for it yeah and Fabinho I've, I've always been a pretty big fan of Fabinho he, he did not have one of his best games this uh, against DC so that that opened up a, a gap that was exploited yeah I think um, Ortiz who Matthew you predicted would start last week also had a good game he had that one shot that rocketed off the crossbar um, and was really tough for, for the center backs to deal with The Union have not won a game since August 27th, 2016, and you've heard us rail against Jim Curtin for a while now, but what I want to ask you, Matthew, is how long until he's fired, or should he even be? He should definitely be fired, and I think if the Union don't win next week, he should be fired then. The Union really need to pick up the pace, because they're falling behind in the Eastern Conference. And I hate to call for his firing, because he's a nice man, he's local, went to Bishop McDevitt, grew up in Orland, all that, but... His unwillingness to change up his lineup, his unwillingness to try and mix some offensive creativity together. I know he was a defender as, as a player, but uh, he's got to open his brain up to a different type of soccer that takes advantage of the resources that are at his disposal. And he's not showing that creativity or willingness to change. And I think that's the part that's really hurting him badly. Yeah, I mean, we say it every week. It seems like, you know, 60th minute, there's going to be one sub, and then there'll be another sub in the, you know, 75th minute or whatever, and then you might not use the last one, or I'll put Alberg in with two minutes to go. Um, and it just seems like he constantly gets outcoached, or, you know, the other coach will, will make adjustments at halftime, and the union will, you know, capitulate in the, in the second half. And he's got our highest-paid player, Alejandro Bedoya, playing out of position, in my opinion. You saw, we saw Bedoya play for the national team out wide, and he looked like a totally different player. And, and yet, then he's stuffed back in the middle where he's not comfortable, and, and, and Curtin's uh, sapping his, his energy. That could also be a product of his excitement to play for the national team as opposed to, well, I mean, MLS. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to presume, you know, what Bedoya's thinking, um, but sometimes it does appear that way. Um, although, you know, hopefully he is totally invested in the team. 
this season, I mean, right now, I think someone mentioned that the Union are last place in the Eastern Conference. Is it salvageable? I mean, that might seem like an overreaction because it is kind of early, but... Um... It is salvageable, but something needs to change. Um, the Union really need to start picking up the pace, like I said, because they're tied for last in the league right now. And it certainly is salvageable. MLS's season is a long season, and things go up and down. Teams go up and down throughout the course of the season. But as Matthew said, something has to change. That the trajectory the team is on right now is is going nowhere. Um, now I don't know if that means we're bringing in you know, bringing in fresh talent, but certainly bringing in a coach with a fresh attitude, shaking up the mentality of the the club, and giving them a kick in the rear end to to get some some work. so a win for God's sake. They haven't won since last August. This week, the Union return home to face a Portland Timbers team that's firing on all cylinders. Matthew, what do you expect from this game? It's going to be a tough game. Portland's a really, really good team. they got a lot of really, really good players. And I don't know if the Union can find a way to win this one. As a fan of MLS, I'm excited to see Diego Valeri and Fernando Adi and you know one of the, the high-profile teams in the league come to town and see them in person. But I'm I'm not optimistic for the the result of this game for the Union. Uh, Matthew, who did the Timbers pick up in the offseason? Uh, I think their biggest addition was David Guzman, the central midfielder. He and Diego Char seem to be working together really well. They're both great defensively, both great at starting an attack, and they're both dangerous. And the other guy whose name I'm blanking on, a winger. Uh, Sebastian Blanco. That's the guy. Played with Diego Valeri when they were kids. You know, he's very fast. He's creative. And he's a DP, so he must be good. Yeah, Matthew's got a brain like an encyclopedia for this stuff. Um, Joe, what can the Union do to stop the Timbers? Especially since it looks like Richie Marquez will be out in this game. Um, He was, I think, seeing double, it was reported, um, and he's going to be out of commission for a while. It's going to be a tough game. With uh, Richie Marquez out, the defense is going to have to maintain its shape and discipline um, and stay compact. Uh, And then I really... I'm a broken record. I want to see some offensive opportunities created, created, and with the the players that Curtin keeps trotting out there, it's not happening. I want to see Allberg out there. I want to uh, see some mix mixes in the lineup. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's the mix that I would make. Um, what would you do? How how are we going to be? Well, I'm not taking Bedoya off the field because it seems like they only want to play Bedoya there. So if they're not going to move him out wide, it's him or Allberg in that ten spot, right? I think if you're going to pick a line to trot out, then you can move Bedoya out wide. Why can't you? There's 11 players on the field. One of them's in the net. You have four defenders. No, I'm not saying. Why can't Bedoya fit I'm into not, one other slot that's not, I'm not in the not saying of the that field. he can't. I would rather that he was played out, or he were played out wide. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Curtin's going to do that. I know. That's why he's got to go. No, I understand. But when we're saying, you know, you put Allberg in, put Allberg, he's not going to put Allberg in. Then I've had enough of him. He's got to go. No, I, I have to. Last week we said that. We would start El Senior over Fabian Herbers, um, and then we saw him play against DC. Um, so, it, you know, the question comes up again. Herbers has a couple assists this season. El Senior is more technically gifted. Um, who do you go with? I would stick with El Senior. He's a lot more creative, he's better on the ball. And even though Herbers did get in and did get on the ball a little bit in that DC game, I was not impressed. Really, I thought he played well, and he was involved, and he got down that sideline a couple times. At least he wasn't every single time trying to dribble through eight guys on D.C. Um, and painting himself into a corner and turning the ball over. 
I would disagree with you. I thought Ilsenio a lot of the time tried to cut it on his left foot and take a good shot. I just I want to see the team get the ball in the corner and cross it in as opposed to get the ball in the corner and then turn around and take five seconds and pass it back out and work it around. Um, and that was really frustrating for me to watch in the game because it felt like somebody just needs to go for the jugular and take a shot or do something, get the ball towards the net. Yeah, and I think some of that comes down to Madunin. I mean, he's he's good at moving that ball from left to right and right to left. Forward would be nice once in a while, too. I agree. What else do you have to look out for against Portland? I know that they've got Fernando Adi and Diego Valeri um, and Guzman in the attack, but defensively, are they a strong team? They're pretty strong. They might be missing a couple of pieces, Vitas, Liam Ridgewell. But Alvis Powell, I like a lot. He's their right back. He's really good at getting up and back. Uh, Jamaican international plays with Andre Blake, and he's the guy to watch out for. Right, we know this is wildly inaccurate, but predictions for this game, Joe? 3-1 loss, oh. and I think I'm being generous. I'm, I am I mean, I know I, I swing. When the Union win, I, I get high, and when the when Union lose, I go low. But right now, I'm not seeing much reason for hope in the short term. And it's a good team coming in. I know playing at home is great. We've got a little home stretch coming up, which is good for the team. But I don't see the Union winning this week. Matthew? A one nothing loss. I agree with Joe. Uh, I, don't, I just don't see that as a way that we can win. Well, I'm feeling just about as optimistic as you guys are. It's time now for a quick MLS Fantasy update. Last year, Matthew came as high as the third percentile in MLS Fantasy play, and right now he's going to tell us who to pick and who to avoid this week. We'll also discuss the best games from this coming weekend when he's done. Matthew, take it away. Two most attractive teams playing two games this week to me are NYCFC and Seattle. NYC especially has two weak matchups in DC United and your Philadelphia Union. Um... NYC has a great front three. David Villa, Jack Harrison, and Rodney Wallace have all been really impressive, working together nicely. And in the back, uh, Alexander Cayens, who's cheap. Uh, he's a center back. He's been filling in for Frederick Briant, and he's pretty good. He's been impressive. NYC's whole back line has been good, a lot better than I thought they would be, and he's a guy to watch out for. Do you take Tommy McNamara, even though he doesn't start? Uh, I would not. I, I never take a guy that doesn't start. Uh, another team playing a double game week is Seattle. They have Nicholas Ladero and Clint Dempsey, two great players. Dempsey's been on fire recently. But they also have Joven Jones, who, for my money, is the best attacking fullback in the league. I might have mentioned him on previous episodes, but he's a really good defender, really good player, and I'd take him. Uh, Toronto FC doesn't play two games this week, but Alex Bono will be starting because Clint Irwin's out. Uh, Bono is worth a look for your team with Clint Irwin out, he'll get a chance. He's proven himself a more than adequate backup. He's cheap and he'll be playing behind that sturdy Toronto defense. Great, thank you. Thank you. I know that you're already smacking Joe and me around in fantasy this year. Right now we're going to take a look at the best games from this upcoming weekend. Joe, who you got? Uh, This week the Chicago Fire are playing Columbus Crew. And uh, Sebastian Schweinsteiger had his first game, first goal this past weekend. So I'm intrigued to see what he can do to uh, help Velko Panovic's team uh, resurrect itself a little bit. I I watched the Seattle-San Jose game this week. I haven't watched a lot of San Jose games so far, but they seem good. They got some great players, really exciting stuff going on there. And Seattle's always fun to watch. 
yeah, the Wando Godoy combination is really interesting. Um, I'm going to go with what's probably the match that jumps off the uh, the screen or the page this weekend: Toronto, Atlanta, um, two prolific goal scoring teams. Um, obviously, Javinko, Altidore, and Bradley, and then Albion and Martinez are no, he's out. Almiron's out. No, Martinez is out. Oh, and Almiron and, and the rest of Atlanta, I really like Russell for a rookie, um, are exciting to watch. And I think it's going to be a good one. That's going to do it for this episode, but don't go just yet. I will keep it quick. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher.com, and SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitter at PhillySoccerPod. I'm at WMCQ19, and Matthew is at Matt underscore McQuill. Comments, questions, or reactions can be tweeted at us there or emailed to us at PhillySoccerPod at gmail.com. Ratings and comments on iTunes and Stitcher are essential for getting a show like ours publicity, so please be sure to tell your friends and leave those reviews. It really is quick and easy. For Joe and Matthew, I'm Will McQuillan. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>